Hi, it's Wednesday night. We're going to learn a little bit about the parsha of Akev. Akev is the parsha. You know, the parsha of Akev includes Moshe Abedu's description of Matan Torah. And uh, since it's uh, a description that's made from his point of view, the point of view of Moshe Rabbeinu, we expect that there might be some changes and some distinctions that we can make between the way Matan Torah was described to us and taught to us in the book of Shmot and the way Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story. So tonight we want to zero in on a particular aspect of that event. And that is the place of Aaron HaKohen in that event, the event that's called Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah. So, uh, to introduce this, I would uh, I would like to quote the two quotes. If you have the, the sheet, you have it on the sheet. But on the sheet, there's a, a Gemara in Chulim. The Gemara in Chulim, that Peitet of the Aleph, Peitet of the Bet. Ein ha'olamit kayem ela b'shvil Moshe and Aaron. The world, the very existence of the world, is somehow connected to Moshe and Aaron. The other quote, the other quote is from the Bereshit Rabbah, uh, section Aleph, Paragraph Tetva fifteen. Moshe Aaron Moshe and Aaron are kind of equal one to the other. That's a statement of Tanaim. So in Tanaim, the people who who we feel were uh, the purveyors of the tradition, and they say Shkulim Well, that means something to me. But when I think about Aaron's role in uh, the building of the golden calf, and even if he wasn't involved in real idolatry, maybe it was just a mistake, maybe it was a ruse that he came up with to protect to protect the, uh, the people, uh, still not, not that uh, there's nothing like that in the history of Moshe Rabbeinu. To say that Moshe Rabbeinu is shakul, is equal to, is equal to uh, to Aaron Akoin, that's a little bit difficult, I would say. I would say. The first quote that he said, Lamit Kayim." I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that means. But there certainly is a, an attempt at saying that the most important thing you can imagine, if you don't know exactly what the world's existence of the world is dependent on Moshe and Aaron, if you don't know what that means, still you feel that there's something wrong here. How can we say that Aaron equals Moshe? Moshe was appointed by God to take the Jews out of Israel to do what it took. It's true that Aaron had an important job. He was going to bring the word that came from God to Moshe Rabbeinu to Paro. 
because Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty presenting. He was a difficult presenter. But certainly you can't compare the work that Moshe Rabbeinu did in order to get the Jews out of Mitzrayim to the work that Aaron Akoin did. Aaron Akoin was, a, was a, a, a person who worked for Moshe Rabbeinu. He did his bidding. I mean, and even though I, I don't want to negate the importance of that, it's certainly very important, but how can we possibly compare what Moshe Rabbeinu did in his short uh, tenure? You know, the 40 years he brought the Torah into the world, he brought B'nai Yisrael to Avot Moab to the, to the border of Eretz Kenan. And, and what did Aaron Cohen do that you could compare to that? Yes, Aaron Cohen is a very important personality. And it's connected with the idea of shalom, of peace, and the importance of that peace. And birkat kohanim. I mean, these are all very important things. But I don't imagine that they compare to Moshe Rabbeinu, to what Moshe Rabbeinu did. So if we look at at the psukim in our chapter that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, Vahimi Kates, it's on the sheet, the first section from the Chumash, Dvarim Peretet. It says, Vahimi Kates Arba'im Yom, after 40 days, Moshe Rabbeinu is on the, on the mountain receiving the Torah of Arba'im Laila, 40 days, 40 nights. Natan Hashem Eli Echnei God gave me the two stones, the La and those two stones somehow are covenantal. They establish a relationship. This you could explain. Rashi says Luchot. Luchot, a luach is a, a board. But they were, they were stones, but they were like boards. Luchot Ketiv, Shishtehem Shabbat. You see, it says in the Pasuk, it says, it says in the Pasuk, Echdei Luchot Avanim, Luchot Abrit that these two Avanim, the stresses, that there were two of them. And uh, Rashi understands that stress as being they were equal. They were equal. Pasuk Yud Bet. Vayomer Chai. Just one second. Vayomer Hashem Elai Kum Reid Maher Mizeki Shichet Amcha Shehotzeitam Mitzrayim Saro Maher Menader Hashem Tzivitim so HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbein, Moshe Rabbein is on the mountain. He's receiving the Torah which he wants to bring down to give to B'nai Zos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, listen, something terrible has happened. The Jews at the foot of the mountain are doing something. They made the Pesach ends and says, Asulahem Masecha. They made an image. They made this golden calf. His Moshe Rabbeinu, he, he just heard of it from God. And 
He says, I see, and then God goes on and says, I see that these people are stiff-necked people. They don't change their ways. Go away from me and I'll destroy them. And I will, I will blot out their names. You know, a name is, is a proof of existence. Before, the, I mean, in order to, to kind of finalize the existence in Bria, in creation, God directed Adam Arishon to name all the animals. Without names, they don't really exist. You can't talk about it. You can't say anything about them. But with a name, they truly exist. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'll do away with them, and I will wipe out their names. It'll be as a chapter that never happened. In the world of creation, how's this for an idea? And I'll make you into a goy atzuva, I'll make you into a great nation, you Moshe Rabbeinu. His Moshe Rabbeinu is on the mountain. His job is to bring the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying, if you know B'nai Yisrael, they don't exist anymore. They may be walking around, they may look like they exist, but I'm going to do away with them. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And he says, we'll start over again. I'll make you into a great nation, you, your children, your grandchildren, that's how it'll start. Then Moshe Rabbeinu talks to, uh, talks to the people in Dvarim, in the last book of the Torah, he says, I turned around and then I went down from the mountain. There was a fire on the mountain and I was holding, I mean, you see Moshe Rabbeinu was talking about how how unsettled everything is, how, how he didn't know where he was going. He was lucky that that the next that he would have to go down the mountain, off the mountain. But he didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't know what he was going to do with what he took. The the two the two stones were in his two arms. Then suddenly I saw what I was told. And you know, a witness is a witness only when he sees. Before he sees, he doesn't count. Here you have sinned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You made a calf, an image. You moved away from whatever it is I I told you, you kind of, you're no longer able, you the people, I mean, you're no longer able to make a, a claim on the Torah. And then, that post and then Moshe Rabbeinu says, I grabbed the two stones and I threw them down from my arms. And I broke them up. I broke them 
so that you could see what happened to Israel. What did Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is in such a state? He had Luchot. It was that part of the transfer of Torah to B'nai Yisrael that had already taken place. And suddenly Moshe Rabbeinu understood that he had nowhere, one, no one to give the Luchot to. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had threatened to destroy those people. Start over again. There was no place to put the Luchot. There's no body to give the Luchot to. So then the Pesach says, that's the end of Pasuk the Yudzayin. I will break them. And then afterwards, I fell down before Hashem as I did the first time around. I had another 40 days. You did it. You did it. Moshe Rabbeinu says, he doesn't explain what happened. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu turned around and he went up on the mountain again. How was this decision made? I could understand that HaKadosh Baruch achieved a level of mercy. Hashem, Hashem, applies to the fact that the Torah was given a second time. The Torah was part of a two-part attempt to pass things on to the people. The first time was a failure. The first attempt was a complete failure. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu had to break the Luchot, throw them down. He had no place to put them and no body to give them to. And then suddenly Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the story. He says, so we did it again. But what he leaves out in the story that he tells in Barim is, why did that Kodesh Baruch give it again, do it again? What was it that made our Kodesh Baruch think that the second time it would be more successful than the first time? Why didn't the Kodesh Baruch think that they would do the same thing? Other of them, they did it. And you say they got away with it. They weren't punished. And if they did it, then they weren't punished. Then it's not clear. It's not clear to me at all. Now, to me now, why it is that the Kodesh Baruch Hu did it? What was it? What was it that encouraged Moshe Rabbeinu in with HaKadosh Baruch in this terrible state where HaKadosh Baruch says, I'm going to wipe them all out, okay? Moshe Rabbeinu argued he put up a fight. He had the he, he had a certain advantage in discussing things. He was appointed to be the defense attorney of, of Am Yisrael. And when God appoints you to a job, it means you're going to do the job. You have the job. It's not like, like when we hire a lawyer. We don't know if he's going to be successful or not. Well, Kodesh Baruch hires a lawyer, Moshe Rabbeinu. You know he'll always be successful. It will be successful, but why does that mean that the people have changed? What's happened that makes the people that makes the people uh, uh, change? So Rashi fills in a little bit of the story. If you look at the Rashi, Rashi pasuk yudchet up on the top. Et napal et me'ashem kerishona abayim yom shneemar v'ata ale. El Hashem, I will go up to God. Maybe I will be able to achieve 
to achieve some kind of kapara. When I went up to, to try to discuss this with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I was up on the mountain again for 40 days. These 40 days came to an end on the 29th of Av. Shehu Allah Bishmana Sabatamus. Interesting. Shmona Sabatamus is a fast day today. It's something about Jewish and But that was the day, that was the day that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain to plead for the, the future of Am Yisrael. And then that, those 40 days, right, ended on Kaftet Ba'av, 29th of Av, which is uh, the day before Rosh Chodesh Elul. Shehu Allah b'shmona sabatamuz bo beyom nidratzah hakadosh baruch hu. That day, erev Rosh Chodesh Elo, God forgave Bnei Yisrael. Vamar lo lemoshe and spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, "Psolecha shnei luchot, asay od arba'im yom, nimtza kalim beyom hakipurim." So Moshe hakadosh baruch hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu. We'll have a do-over. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu was on the mountain 40 days. Then he came down on the, from the mountain and he saw what he saw. Then from Yudzayin Bitamus, he went up on the mountain again for another 40 days. And that took him to... Uh, that took him to Erev Rosh Chodesh Elul. And then HaKadosh Baruch said to him, Solecha, go and make these stones on your own. Solecha, make two stones as they were in the beginning and come up again and spend 40 days receiving the Torah again and then you'll go back there and give it to B'nai Yisrael. So the thing that we have to try to understand is why, why was there a Matan Torah a second time? Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu just go up on the mountain and get whatever it is he had to get and come back down? A one-day trip. Why 40 days over again? Secondly, I don't understand exactly why there's an emphasis in the Pasuk on Psolecha. You know Psolecha? You the stones, you take a, a chisel, and a hammer, and you hammer away. So the first time Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain, the first time, the time that B'nai Yisrael sinned, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him the Luchot, prepared in heaven, and, and had the Ten Commandments on those Luchot. And then Moshe Rabbeinu was directed to pass on this to B'nai Yisrael. He didn't do it, because when he got to the camp, he saw that the situation was unbearable. So he threw the Luchot down and and uh, and uh, broke them. The second time that Moshe Rabbeinu goes up on Har Sinai, HaKadosh Baruch says to him, Solecha, you do it. I don't have to do it. I mean, like, what's the difference? Who does it? Why would Moshe Rabbeinu have to hew the stones? It's hard work. He's not a professional stonemason. 
Why couldn't HaKadosh Baruch do the second time just as he did it the first time? Just as he did it the first time. If you look again, Shemot Perik Lamed Bet, Hayomer Moshe Laron, so Moshe Rabbeinu is accusing after he comes down from the mountain and sees what B'nai Yisrael are doing and he sees the golden calf he says to Aaron look I left you in charge you were the chief he says how did they convince you to do this crazy thing you, Aaron, caused them to sin. You remember the question we asked at the beginning? How could the Gemara compare Moshe and Aaron? Here, look, here's Moshe and Aaron. Moshe is bringing the Torah to B'nai Israel, and Aaron is preventing them from getting the Torah. That's what it says. So Aaron says to, to Moshe, a kind of a weak argument, he says, don't be too angry. You know that this is a difficult job that you left me. It's not so easy to deal with the Israel. I mean, their needs are not reasonable sometimes. Pasukav Gimel, they said to me, they came to me and they said, make us a God who will lead us, who will lead us out of this, out of this terrible, uh, terrible place. He's been away for a long time. 40 days of Hazal said he missed the time. There was a difference of, of, of evaluating, but that's not important. He's gone. He disappeared. That's what they said to me. Aaron. Aaron doesn't sound like an outstanding leader. A leader. He doesn't sound like a person who might have tried to stop them from building the golden calf, even if it endangered him personally. Right? Lo And finally they say, we just lost track of Moshe Rabbeinu. We're not prepared to wait for 40 days. I said to them, who has gold? It parku, take it off. And give it to me. Like Aaron sort of like says, I didn't realize what would happen? I didn't realize that it would be a golden calf. I didn't know that, that that's what's going to happen. All of that, all of that is Aaron's very weak and very uh, puerile defense of himself. I didn't mean it. I didn't do it. I didn't know. I didn't know what would happen. I tried to argue, but they didn't listen. That's that's Aaron. So where's the Gemara on the Medrash? Rabba Moshe of Aroch Kulim How could it be that the Gemara, or that in this case the Medrash, would say that Moshe and Aaron are somehow equal one to the other? Where's the equality? How can you make the comparison? So there's one more pasuk. 
One more pasuk and then I'll tell you a little story. One more pasuk is Perik Labadala Pasukala by Yom Hashem Moshe. Psolecha. You the stones. Take a chisel and a hammer and make the stones look like the stones that you broke. Psolecha Shnei Luchot Avanim Karishonim. Psolecha. Solecha means you the stones. Vichatavti al haluchode. I will write on these stones et advarim asheru al haluchot arishonim asher shibarka. I will write what was written on the stones that you broke. Well, if Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to write this on the stones that Moshe Rabbeinu makes. We write on those stones just like he did on the stones that he, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, made. So well, why doesn't Hakadosh Baruch Hu use the stones? Why does he do the same thing he did the first time around? Why does he have to tell Moshe Rabbeinu, "You do it"? Why you do it? What's the value of you do it? So Ichasidut in general, they take care of, they, they try to deal with this problem. And especially Rav Nachman. I don't want to, like, we're not going to learn the Rav Nachman now, but I'll tell you the story. Rav Nachman said, Rav Nachman said that psol, the word psol, while it's true, it means to hew the stones, but it also is connected to the word psolet. Psolet is something that doesn't have any value something that is not necessary, not important. This became an important word in Hasidic theology. Important how? How is it important? Because the Hasid, in Hasidut they wondered, they wondered about the things that are in our bodies or part of us that don't seem to have any purpose like fingernails, uh, eyelashes, eyebrows, not to speak about appendix. They're things that really, they're classified as no purpose. Maybe you could argue that they once had a purpose, but right now they don't have a purpose. So those things that don't have a purpose are called in the in Chassidut, in the literature of Rav Nachman of Bratzlo, they're called psolet. Psolet in modern Hebrew is like garbage, something you throw away. So in our bodies, the way we are created, we're created with psolet. So that, what, what does that mean? Like why would God create us or allow us to become psolet? Why would that be a reasonable? Why would that be a reasonable thing to happen? I mean, what what do we need the psalm for? So they in Hasidus they say that the psalm, the psalm is not just the psalm in our body or associated with our bodies, but psalm, psalm is everything that's not really necessary. Right, the world was created with a lot of unnecessary stuff. One of the categories 
of unnecessary stuff is ra. It's bad, evil, unacceptable. That's also there. It's also in the world in which we live. And it's part of the psolet. It's part of the psolet. There's a psolet, a necessary, uh, unuseful things that are created and don't seem to have any purpose and exist even within ourselves. And those things, if you look at them carefully, you might find a wider definition for psolet, which includes evil, uh, unnecessary, bad, uh, yetzer hara, the evil inclination. All of that is really psolet. It doesn't come from what God made, but it came from in making things, you got a psolet, like Moshe Rabbein is sitting at the stone, and he's chipping away at it to make it turn out in the shape that he wanted, which is like a rectangle, a domino, a domino. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to make. So along the way, after he finishes, he gets up and he picks up his two stones, and what's left on the ground? Solar. Stuff he doesn't need. Stuff he's not looking for. It's like taking a haircut. Right? Lahabdil. You take a haircut, so you leave a lot of hair behind. And the hair behind that you leave behind, there's no purpose. There's no purpose to it. It's psolet. It's psolet. So if we carry this idea one step further and try to understand what psolet is it that we're talking about? Kaddish Baruch said to Moshe, so another way of interpretation is make psolet. What does that mean? Akadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, make psolet. But the first time around, the first time the Torah was given, Akadosh Baruch did not make psolet. There was no psolet. It just happened automatically. God created the Luchot. God created the Luchot. So what does it mean? Make psolet. Make psolet. So this is what I think we might say. The first time HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah, the first time HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu, there was no psolet in the making of the Luchot. What is no, no psolet means? Well, let's understand no psolet as meaning no foreign ideas, no unnecessary thoughts, nothing that could dissuade you from following the Torah. It was like Gan Eden before the hate of Adam Arishon. It was perfect. It was exactly as it should be. So when B'nai Yisrael looked at the Torah that they received, they thought about it, they knew, Anochi Hashem Elokecho, Lo Yelecha Alvimacherim Alpanai. That was the first the beginning of the Atzeret that they brought, them, the beginning of the Torah for B'nai Yisrael that they received. And the Torah that they received the first time around was a Torah with no psolet. There were no unnecessary thoughts. There were no unnecessary ideas. There was nothing misleading about the Torah. And so, when somebody in the Erev Rabbi, this mishmash of people who came with B'nai Yisrael to build uh, 
to to receive the Torah to go to Eretz Kedan when this all happened and the Torah was given to them without Psolet they said ah without Psolet that means that means that there are no foreign ideas everything is good so when the when the Erev Rav when the when the the people the people came to to Moshe Rabbeinu people came to Moshe Rabbeinu I'm sorry people came to Aaron Akhtolin and they said we've got to do something we're not sure maybe maybe making an idol will help let's do it with gold showing our commitment so what would the people say but it says you, you learned the Torah they said no no there's a, a way to explain it it must be all right everything that happens in the world must be good there can't be things that happen that are not good because we live in a world of no psolet there is nothing more than the torah itself so they made the mistake of thinking that there was no way to interpret the torah that would produce a false result anything you said anything you did any act that you performed any act that you performed was good was good because there was no psalm but the second time that the Torah was given Moshe Rabbeinu was directed psalmicha psalmicha meant you do it I want you to create the psalm I want you to make it HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu and then the people will have will understand that you have to make decisions and choices about ideas and suggestions you can't say everything is good and everything is just the way it should be you can't say that but you have to look at it more carefully and say oh this is appropriate but the other is not that's the psalicha of Moshe Rabbeinu in the second Luchot when he went up to the mountain and brought down the the luchot that were etched by the finger of God but after Moshe Rabbeinu produced i.e. taught B'nai Yisrael about Solet and so Aaron the story of Aaron and the golden calf is a story that took place in a world without Solet so Aaron Akhoin thought that everything was fine Everything was good. Everything was positive. That was Aaron. That was Aaron Akhoi. And the second time the Torah was given, it was given with the idea that there could be psalm. That you have to check it out. You have to look carefully into the into all the matters that are related related to to Torah and to ideas, etc. And so maybe. Maybe with the Gemara, when the when the Medjur, the Gemara says, "Ada Allah mitkayin, elabishvil Moshe Baron." Like what did Moshe Aaron do altogether? They were responsible somehow for the Torah, the Torah which first did not have psolicha, and the Torah that did have psolicha. And we see that Aaron was forgiven because he lived in a world of non psolicha. And he became equal to Moshe Rabbeinu because of the fact that he succumbed to the truth where there was no psalm 
and he kind of redirected Matan Torah. He, Aro, redirected Matan Torah into, into a Psolicha kind of Matan Torah. Tov. Uh, next week will be another parish. All the best.